Christmas, we waited, it came, it went. Today we might feel as though we're in a sort of Christmas hangover. Too much food, too many gifts, maybe too much family, too many Christmas tree needles, if you have that kind of tree, embedded in the carpet. There's so much stuff associated with Christmas that sometimes, by December 26th, we are relieved that it's all over. We treat Christmas like a day on the calendar, a moment in time that ends once the clock strikes midnight. I have no doubt that somewhere, someone has already started a countdown of 364 shopping days until Christmas. <laughs> this morning, I would like to suggest that we not leave Christmas in the rearview mirror just yet. There may be one more gift for us under the tree, and it comes to us in the form of the introduction to John's Gospel that we have as our reading today. Unlike the synoptic Gospels of Mark, Matthew, and Luke, the prologue to John's Gospel is a bit of a do-over in terms of how we look at the arrival of Jesus. And we get this do-over because in John's Gospel, we skip Bethlehem and the manger. In fact, we skip Christmas altogether. Instead, we go back to square one and experience Jesus without all the buildup, without all the commercial glitz and glamour, without the camels or the creche. John's Gospel, using words we all recognize, takes us all the way back to the beginning, to the words in Genesis. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and life was the light of all people, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. This passage comes on a day when we have done so much Christmas, so much church, that we are barely paying attention. Yet, it is in these verses that John sets forth some of the biggest theological issues in the entire Bible. He talks about the divinity of Christ, the Trinity, salvation by grace, incarnation, the revelation of God the Father by God the only Son. He basically covers all the critical issues. So it might be worth our time to take a closer look at what John is telling us. One theologian likens this prologue to John's Gospel to a long driveway that we know is leading us somewhere special, but we aren't quite sure what to expect when we get there. And he writes that this passage introduces us not only to the birth of Jesus, but also to everything that he was and is, and to everything that he did. John takes us back to the creation story because he wants us to recognize that his gospel is not about one man or one place in time, but about how the whole long biblical story that started with Genesis is reaching its climax, that this, that this exact story has been planned from the very beginning. In Genesis, the climax of the story is the creation of humankind in God's image. In John's gospel, the climax is the arrival of one human being, but that one person is the Word made flesh. Let's go back to Genesis just for a moment and recall that in the garden, God created Adam and Eve, 
gave them everything that they could want or need, and, as we all know, they messed up. And this caused a rift between humankind and God that seemingly could never be mended. Now, God has sent Jesus to dwell among us to bridge that gap between the human and the divine realm. Jesus enables connection to God that has not been known since that terrible day back in the garden. John tells us that Jesus is the word, and through that word, God's mercy and truth now flow in measures never possible before. Jesus comes to show us, to communicate the truth to us. The truth. Truth is a funny thing. It can be liberating and terrifying at the same time. We've all heard the phrase, the truth will set you free. But the truth can also hold us captive, especially when we're afraid to face it. Think about what scares us all the most. We might think we are afraid of the truth. There's a line in the movie, A Few Good Men, where Jack Nicholson plays an army general who's accused of abusing his power. And when Tom Cruise, who is playing the young prosecutor, tells the general that all he wants is the truth, Jack Nicholson tells the attorney and the entire courtroom that they can't handle the truth. I certainly can think of times when I was afraid of hearing certain truths, fearing they would be too hard to bear. But in reality, it is the unknown that is the most frightening. A child is afraid of what they cannot see, of the dark, of what's in that closet or under the bed. What they don't know might be hiding somewhere. We build up that unknown in our minds so that it becomes larger than life. Think about when we might be ill, when we wait for a diagnosis. We fear the worst, playing out different scenarios in our minds, but often it's the not knowing that is the worst part. Once we have the truth, the information, even if it's bad news, there's a sense of relief because once you have the truth, you can determine a plan. You can take action. You can change course. Jesus guides us in the way of truth. He doesn't ever promise it will be easy. But as we've just seen, knowing the truth is better than being in the dark. And having Jesus there to guide us every minute of every day, not just on Christmas, makes everything possible. Jesus is the light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome him. And that leaves a question for us. Do we live in such a way that this miraculous, inextinguishable light is visible to us? Do we live in the way of truth? Do we live in a way that allows God's grace to enter our lives? Some say that these are dark days right now, and that's easy to believe, especially if we trust only in our own human nature and allow ourselves to wallow in complacency and tell ourselves that we are doing all that we can to help those or us, those who might feel overcome by darkness. When we tell ourselves that those outside our family or friend group or church or neighborhood or country are somehow outside the realm of God's embrace, outside the reach of that light of Jesus, how do we shift our perspective so that we see others, all others, as people who have also been touched by this true light? How do we open our hearts and our minds so that the light dwells in our very beings? This is what John is talking to us about, uh, talking to us today. 
This is what his introduction is about. We need to go back to the beginning, to that word and the light that were here long before us, the solution to our problems that existed before our own problems even cropped up. Our job is to go back to the beginning and read and learn and understand that Jesus turned on that light for us. He became the light for us thousands of years ago. And our job is to let that light shine in us so that it can then shine on others. So let's not pack it in just yet. Let's ponder and savor and soak in this miracle of Jesus for just a bit longer. Let John's gospel sink in and allow truth and grace and light to grow in our hearts. It isn't every day, after all, that this kind of miracle happens, that Jesus comes to dwell among us and live within us. Or is it? Merry Christmas.